looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, the 21st of August. And past the post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. They've had a good week. Caribbean King kicked it off last Sunday at the short odds. They won with pretty divided. Well, Willembar on Friday and, of course, Bonaparte getting the bob in to win the last race yesterday. A very deserved Saturday Metro success for Bonaparte. So the Archer Park team in form. You can be part of it. They take racing ownership to the next level and go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. All the news there. You might like to buy a horse. It's all on the website, archerparkracing.com.au. Well, yesterday was the first Group 1 of the 22-23 racing season, the Wing Stakes at Royal Randwick. And I would suppose, fittingly, one of, or potentially, one of our biggest stars for the spring is going to be Animo. He, un- he made his return in the Wings, and it was a winning return. So it looks like a great start for Animo as Ben Dorries joins me. Good morning. Yeah, absolutely. He is a champion, Animo. I don't think that's too light a word. I'll tell you another champion, David Fowler, our producer, producer Dale. Not only, he's, I've just hit him up for a loan at the front. Not only did he back Paul Joyce's tip at $151 at the Sunshine Coast, had a mighty fill up on it, but he just told me as well he got a three-leg multi at Packenham last Monday for another four-figure collect. He is absolutely low-flying in life, producer Dale. I can't see his head above the computer there, but <laughs> I can see the cap bobbing on top of the head there. Enough praise for him anyway. We'll talk about him later on. Um, look, uh, we'll have a listen to Adamo's race. Let's listen to it first. We're going to have a chat with Vin Cox because it was a good day for Godolphin yesterday, particularly, of course, with this horse, a four-year-old now. He was chasing his fourth group one, and punters stuck solid. They looked at him in the yard. He was probably a little fresh, just sweating up a little, but he ran the $2.50 favourite. Here's the replay. Turning for home, and Halal swings in front narrowly from Forbidden Love. McDonald's got no alternative but to go back to the inside, and Animo and Profondo strides up with a big run on the outside. It's on now. Animo moved up on the inside to join Profondo, and they're broken clear. It's Animo in front from Profondo. Fangirl late on the scene, but Animo's drawn clear, and there's another Group 1 success. Animo won the wing stakes by two lengths. Fangirl second, Profondo third. Benno finished off hard from Hint, and then came Halal from Ice Bar Stockman, Forbidden Lava, and Mawunga was one of the last to finish. Well, given a perfect ride by James McDonald, darting back to the inside, not the most preferable lane to be in at Royal Randwick yesterday, but he is a champion, and champions um, overcome any, any setbacks as such, but he went to the line strongly to win by about a length and a half. Vin Cox represents Godolphin, always a, uh, a very um, welcome guest on our programs. And uh, I think he's probably hoping we talk a lot to him during the next few months because that means they'll be winning races. Vin, good morning. Uh, good morning, David. Yeah, no, you're quite correct. It's, it's no trouble to talk on a Sunday morning after a weekend like that. This looked a, a very good stepping stone. And when I say a stepping stone, I'm, I'm probably treating that with a bit of disrespect. It was a Group 1 race, so a Group 1's a Group 1, so it's a great kickoff. But it looked a good race for him, where he drew, the, the, the field he was opposed to. And it all panned out pretty well according to plan. Pretty well. I mean, what you alluded to just in the intro, uh, when he darted back to the inside, it was probably where you didn't really want to be at Randwick yesterday. And uh, Profondo was lurking up um, rather ominously out wider. Um, and our bloke, he just he got through and, and 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 put him away pretty well. So look, I mean, it's a it's a Group One race. It's a seven furlong weight for age race. He's now a Group One winner at two, at three, and mm. four. 
um, that's pretty rare air. So um, it's it's phenomenal for him, and uh, yeah, we look forward to the rest of the spring with him. Vin, I thought the most fascinating aspect of watching this race in some ways wasn't the race itself, was James Cummings' reaction afterwards, moved to tears. That was that was quite incredible. <laughs> Can you take us a little little bit inside the stable doors at Godolphin and just talk to talk to that emotion because it's not something we see very often. No, yeah, good morning, Ben. Um, look, it's, uh, he's not, uh, you know, I was going to say, he's not an emo- he is an emotional character, but, he, but he, he hides it very well. And when you make a decision, as we did, to keep this horse in training, um, there's, a, there's a fair bit of pressure comes on because there's a lot of, lot of, lot of advisors and experts and what have you out there that, that say, no, you've just got to retire him to start it. And, and that's the easiest step you can take. Um, so, you know, we made the call. We're going to keep him in work. We took the risk. And, um, and for him to do that, as I say, in a Group 1 race, um, it justifies and vindicates what we all thought and what we all hoped. And, um, and um, yeah, no, it's, like I say, it's a lot of pressure. Just taking that one step further, that decision to keep him racing and not retire him, uh, within that decision, was it a clear-cut decision or did it take a lot of thinking and a lot of discussion? No, I think it's the truth to be known. There was, there, there was more within our organisation and, and sort of those that we, we report to um, that would have rather that he that he went to stud. Um, but ultimately, um, it came down to um, two or three of us that, um, that made the call. So who who makes the captain's call there, Vin? Is it you or is it how does it work? Um, well, I'm the managing director, so it starts and ends there, doesn't it? <laughs> That's pretty pretty definitive. Yeah. So, so, um, well, a bit of pressure yeah, on you yeah. then, anyway. <laughs> oh well, yeah, no, but um, but you know, I talked to James, and, and we're 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 close in in these sort of discussions, and um, you know, and then you talk to the other side as to whether you want to say the other side, the, the other side of the business in the, you know, going to retire to the barn, um, talk to them and see where he sits and um, and obviously report to the Northern Hemisphere. So um, it sort of, it, it lies in all of that as to, as to where, where the final well, final decision is cast. Was there just a little element in there or a big element even of, of just sort of, a, you know, a burning pit in your stomach, just that unfinished business in the Cox Plate after what transpired last year? <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, it would have been nice to have won that race last year. Uh, it's well documented what happened there. Um, it's 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 you know, it's one of the great races on the Australian calendar, and um, you know, it's uh, yeah. There is unfinished business, as you suggest. What about from one James to another? And we, we've discussed James Cummings, James McDonald. And had some, I thought, very prescient comments after the race. I like hearing these comments from jockeys, whether they're good or bad. I, I like to hear what they think about a horse going from one year to another. So he's gone from a three-year-old to a four-year-old. They were very positive remarks. They were, and that was very encouraging as well. Um, he he was very uh, forthright uh, in his view that the horse had improved dramatically from three to four. And and hearing the discussion between he and um, and Darren Beedman, uh, they were speaking with considerable authority on on what he's done, where he's come from, and where he's at now. And even watching the horse walk around the ring pre-race, uh, he just he 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 looked like he owned the ring. He's 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 you know he's a he's well and truly an alpha male now, and um, and he's owning owning the race course. Alpha male, I, I like it, man. Can you talk to a couple of other races there yesterday as well? Obviously, Zepetto 
won a really well in the toy show. And I thought, gee whiz, in secret in the last, was very unlucky in the Silver Shadow running second. Yeah, they're both outstanding runs. Zabateo's a filly we've had an extremely high opinion of, and now she's got to mare grade. Uh, I think we'll see a lot more of her. And the team have been absolutely, you know, super confident about her going into yesterday and, 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 and the spring ahead with her. They're particularly excited about her. Um, and it was great that they, their, their opinion was, was vindicated as she was. And, you know, we're pretty excited where she's heading. A lovely mare. She's a half-sister to Osborne Bulls. She's by Brazen Bow, who's a stallion we stand. Uh, exciting times ahead for her. And in secret, um, she was two for two coming into yesterday and probably a little bit unlucky. And, uh, and I was kind of surprised that, that James didn't go back to the inside like he did on the previous race with Animo. He actually he, he, he elected the skirt wider. Um, and that, as a result, he didn't get that clear run. But when she did slice through and got out, she really you know, attacked the line. Um, and again, we're pretty excited about her. She's a filly that we bought at the Magic Millions a couple of years ago for a lot of money. And uh, she's a stakes winner now, now group placed, and uh, she looks like she's got uh, she's got some nice races in front of her. Just with Animo, and this is probably discussions that will happen tomorrow within within, within your organisation. But let's go back to last year. The path to the Cox Plate was a a pretty straightforward one, being a three year old. Run of the Rose, Golden Rose, Caulfield Giddies wins. Then of course that uh, Cox Plate second. Of course, now as a four-year-old, have you got any sort of inkling of, of the, the path you'll take towards October? No, we haven't. And by design, we haven't. Um, we, we, you know, there's a lot of options out there. And, you know, we and we're just, we want to build on his value, build his resume, build his profile. And it's all about Group 1 racing and, and trying to uh, increase that value with, of, uh, with him and, and obviously prize money. So it's a combination of all those things as to which 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 way we'll go with the horse and what races we'll we'll attack. We'll follow that with interest. Last question, uh, and on a different topic, the Everest is less than two months away. Godolphin's got a slot. Is there any early? Well, so I say early thoughts. We're, we're less than two months away. Are there, is there any consideration for one horse in particular, or is there a few on the on the on the no, agenda? There's there's a few there we're we're, we're looking at, and we don't. You know, we, we're in a very uh, great position that we don't technically have to make up our mind until acceptance is the week of the race. So, um, so we'll just see how, how they all come through and, and who's looking like being our, our, our best candidate um, closer to the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's some obvious candidates amongst them that um, yeah, we'll just pick and choose our way. You've been very informative this morning, but left us asking a few questions. You've put us in a very interesting <laughs> position. <laughs> well, we've got a lot to decide, and uh, unfortunately, we've got the ammunition that we can. You know, we don't have to. Uh, you know, we're not. We don't have to zero in on one particular horse. So, um, yeah, we're very excited about the spring ahead and and and, and the racing, and the, and obviously the, the group racing and, and some high money races as well. So, I know it's, uh, it, we're, it's, we've got some great toys there. And we, we can't wait to play with them. What a great line to end the, end the interview. You always come up with one. Always good to talk to you and hope to chat with you again during the next few months. Good, man. Thanks, lads. Good to chat. There is Vin Cox, Managing Director of Godolphin, as far as their Australian operations are concerned, and uh, a good day at the office. An expected win by Animo, hard in the market, stayed hard in the market, given a good run. Uh, dissecting the race to a degree, it wasn't a fast-run affair. Many races at, at Randwick yesterday weren't held a skeleton. So this was a, a pedestrian pace, a dash up the straight. It was a win. It was a, a 
an authoritative win, but this wasn't a demolition job. And these early or late winter, early spring races, uh, they're the discussion point. Where do we look for the future? And the fact that it wasn't a demolition job gives us the opportunity to look at other horses in the race. And, and the one that stands out is the one that ran second fangirl. Oh, she she was just incredible. I mean, she was arguably... Ar- full letter worth well, Arguably, I mean... You know, it sounds silly because she didn't win, but arguably the run of the day. I mean, last off a dawdling pace, charge time. I'm talking through my pocket a bit here because I backed her. But dry track, I mean, it was a soft track, but on the better side of soft. Tell you what, if she strikes some dry tracks uh, in spring, um, she's going to be something to hold out. And there was money for her too. I think she opened $9 or something like that to start at $6. Yeah. She was never going to win from where she was, but she rocketed home. Profondo, I thought, was encouraging uh, as well. It was a real wipeout autumn uh, for Profondo, and then you had horses. Uh, Hinge was good. Benno was exceptional at 100 to 1 uh, as well. So he's obviously got a very good spring ahead as, as well. As we, so I think it'll be a good form race. And as we go down the finishing ladder, then we get to the uh, not-so-good performances. Forbidden Love, again, disappointing. Easy run on speed, first beat, and Moonga never passed a horse. Yeah, I don't know what the wash-up is with Moonga, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't flash, was it? Certainly wasn't. That was the Group 1 Winks taken out by Adamo, his fourth Group 1 victory. Let's go to some of the other listed and uh, group races yesterday at Royal Randwick. We'll go to the Premier's Cup. And in this race, Lord Ardmore, who was coming off a win in the Prelude, was the favourite, a solid favourite of $3.20. It's Grove Ferry up the rise. Two lengths clear from Two Master Bear and Lord Ardmore. Down the outside, Arapahoe from Yee Yee. And further back to Francesco Guardi. Grove Ferry is just the leader. Arapahoe the outside and Lord Ardmore is digging through the middle. Going on with the job, Arapahoe. Francesco Guardi late. It's Arapahoe from Francesco Guardi. And Arapahoe won the Premier's Cup. Arapahoe from Francesco Guardi. And Lord Ardmore between them third. In front of Grove Ferry, Too Much to Bear and Yee Yee close. Up, they beat off Ladon de V from She's a Man Eater Chalk Stream, beat to home at the end, being Cariff and Durston, who made that early move, weakened out to finish last. Former French gallery Rapaho, Bjorn Baker, the trainer, and he joins us this morning on Past the Post. Bjorn, good morning, congratulations. Yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was uh, uh, wasn't overly confident going into it, but it worked out really well. Yeah, exactly. So coming off a midfield finish a couple of weeks ago, what did you think of the run that day? Yeah, I, I sort of just probably worked against him. I, I think he's better with, well, no doubt he's probably better on a wetter track, but he just had to work forward um, the other day and he had an awkward gait. So I thought he was okay. It was a pass mark, but everything worked out really well yesterday from the wide gate. He was able to go back and relax and Rachel gave him a great ride. I was wrong. I had him pegged as a uh, just a wet tracker. I know it was a soft track yesterday, but probably on the better side of soft. So he's, he's clearly more than just a wet tracker, isn't he? Yeah, he has been. I must say, he, uh, uh, and that's one of the reasons we've sort of kept him in, just hoping to maybe get get um, some more wet weather. And if that's the case, he's gonna he really does grow another hoof, so to speak. So um, no, he's really put his put his uh, hand up. He's a little bit better than than probably what I thought and. It was a good one yesterday. I mentioned he was a former French galloper. You gave him two campaigns last year, but relatively light racing campaigns. Was that by design? Yeah, just the, the second one in particular, he was probably a little bit disappointing. He never came up, and, and he, he doesn't carry a lot of condition, but he never looked great. So um, he's been up for a long time this preparation, though, with more than made up for it. So I 
I think that was his tenth run this time in. I said we can surely get to a baker's dozen, can't we? So uh, <laughs> maybe we'll cool. keep rolling into and look at a race like the Metropolitan. Yeah, that looks a, an ideal target with him. And uh, Ben was just saying too that um, he pegged him as a wet tracker, but also as well. I've noticed his racing positions, his versatility there. We've often seen him on speed, but yesterday came from back in the, in the field. Yeah, and I think it worked out pretty well yesterday because it's one of those muddling sort of tempo races. He's able to just have an uninterrupted run, and um, he just got into a great, great rhythm, and everything worked out very, very well. What about the Rescue Spring Arsenal? Are you going to have, um, you know, sort of many headline horses we can follow throughout the spring or any going to Melbourne for a, for a Caulfield Guineas, for instance? Or where are you at with the other team going into the spring? Yeah, it's always hard. I'll tell you, there's nowhere to hide. And, and uh, Bluchy Babe, you talk about a positive with her FO. She She's just not firing at the moment, so we've got to have a good think about that. But um, Overpass has come back bigger and better. I've got no doubt about that. He wasn't too far off them in the autumn. Of course, he won the expressway and beat Animo that day, and I think he's definitely come back bigger, stronger. His first trial was outstanding, um, and I think he can, can really feature against the best. I think he's a, the forgotten sprinter on the way up, and, and maybe, maybe just maybe, some of these older sprinters are on the way back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, the, the really pressing question, how's your dear old dad going in retirement? Have you got any funny stories? Is he pestering you? Is he texting you? Is he emailing you? Or has he just disappeared off the face of the earth? Well, texting, emailing, uh, that's, that's not on his agenda. But, no, he uh, he talks a lot. He even gave he even gave um, uh, Rachel King a big rap because he's very biased towards James McDonald. The whole time he says you've got to get him on and he's always got an opinion. And, uh, no, we take it seriously. I think he's enjoying retirement. It's a bit, bit harder, though, as the weather improves and, and gets better in New Zealand. I think he'll start to miss it a bit. What about Shades of Rose? She's a really, really powerful ambassador of the stable, winning Saturday races at odds on quotes and winning impressively. What's the path there? Uh, she will just run on the benchmark 88 race next week, over 1,200, and really happy with her. Um, I think, if anything, she's continued to improve. I think she likes a better track as well. Um, and maybe if she puts, uh, well, goes well next week, we can look at possibly a couple of stakes races for her as well. Good as gold. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. There he is, Bjorn Baker, talking about Arapaho, amongst other horses, Shades of Rose. Uh, me going very, very well. And overpass, it, it made a statement in that trial recently, just went out and scorched along in front. So um, he makes a good point. Are these these older sprinters, the old guard, you know, are they still at their best? Or maybe are they just losing a length or so? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, it seems silly and it's probably... 12 months away, but I even heard there was a small amount of Everest interest in Uncommon James, the Queenslander, and you wouldn't normally sort of think that. I mean, he's very impressive. He's probably 12 months away, I would imagine, for a race like that. But, I mean, even the fact that he's being mentioned in dispatches and, you know, for instance, overpass, it does go to show you, doesn't it, that, the, you know, outside Nature Strip, I guess, and, and one or two others, maybe the the younger younger guard can make a claim, you know, in the next, you know, if it's not this year, certainly in the next 12 yeah. months. Well, They've got to make the field up. There's five in, which are the f- sort of the five established sprinters in Australia. Classic legend, everything going right will make six. So there's still half the field to fill. You've got Godolphin and, and Coolmore who'll probably look down the avenue of their, their their own team. So then you're down to, what, about four to pick from. And you know, there's not a lot of 
outstanding up-and-coming sprinters. I would love... Look, I mean, it's a really, really interesting one, you know, with a bit of a change of ownership and all sorts of things, but I'd love to see Best of Bordeaux and Everest, not suggesting he can necessarily win an Everest, but I reckon he'd make his presence felt. However, they're probably, I guess, going to go down the group one path towards, you know, you know, I suppose more... You know, more powerful races, I guess, from a profile point of view. Races. More traditional races. That's what the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I don't think a lot coming out of that race yesterday. Arapahoe was a $21 chance. It's it's worth pointing out. And both the Wallace horses ran honestly, and they're running honestly. Whether they can do any better and measure to higher, I think remains to be seen. Speaking of Francesco Guardi and also Lord Ardmore. Let's go to some of the, the other races of the day worth talking about. And we'll go to the, the Silver Shadow. This is the traditional starting point for the three-year-old fillies during the spring. And the favourite here was the Godolphin trained in secret. End of the straight, Queen of the Ball and North Star last from Snitcat. Zoo got to the inside from Mumbai Jewel. Uh, coming into it well as Walinga Beast if it gets a run. In secret, driving for the same run but didn't get it. Walinga Beast a length off them. Zoo got to the inside from North Star last. Now in secrets, working into the clear but Zoo Gotcha's drawn clear and Zoo Gotcha goes on to beat the luckless in secret. North Star last third followed by Queen of the Ball. Walinga Beast got her chance. Wolverine late than seven veils. Further back to Snit Cat Grace's Secret, Mumbai Jeweler, Midnight in Tokyo from Opal Ridge, Moyoshi, and Revolutionary Miss was about the last in. Unusual Noel Greenwich being involved in a winner, but there it was with Zugotchi yesterday and in his colours as well. Willie Pike riding for Chris Waller. And, of course, we saw this filly during the winter. Uh, her run was quite sound behind Stroll on the Bill Carter. It wasn't a red flashing light run, but she's obviously done well because I think she actually started her th- this prep at the Gold Coast base, the satellite base, before being transferred to Sydney. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you look on paper, you know, she ran fifth in the Bill Carter, um, you know, ran on a bit. But it's funny, the Eagle Farm track has no doubt improved. It was sensational during uh, winter to get through what it did. But even just speaking to Tony Gollan last week, he said, look, I mean, there's still very much horses. It's still very, very much horses for courses. Some some horses really let down there and some don't. So, look, perhaps for one reason or another, she just didn't let down at Eagle Farm and we saw the real Zugotchi yesterday. Mm. And several of these will then progress to the, uh, the Furious, the T-Rose, and ultimately, if they can manage it as far as the distance, they'll get to the flight stakes, which is the, the culmination over the mile at, at Group 1 level. In secret, could be considered unlucky. I wouldn't say desperately unlucky. A run did come. But Zoo Gotcha was probably had more momentum. It was just sprinting a, a fraction quicker than, than in secret. And the, the on speech is around third and fourth. North Star Lass and Queen of the Ball. Let's go to the uh, race that Ben referred to earlier when we were speaking with Vin Zapateo winning the Group 3 Toy Show. Coming around the turn, Smoonova coming well off the fence from Boo Nova Sky Commander. Zapatea travelling up well. And then came Volpine from Fatus and a gap back to Jamea Bellucci, babe, not going well. It's Sky Command getting to the lead, but Zapatea chiming in now from Smoonova. Boo Nova got uh, cut out there, but Zapatea takes control of the race now inside the 100. And Zapatea drawing clear for a dominant victory. Second goes to... Maybe Jamea, wide out from Sky Command. They're the two, just in front of Boom Nova and Smurnova, followed by Fatus, Bellucci, Babe, more profit. A gap back in the field to Miss Dior from Volpine, and Jill has finished a long last. So she kicked off her spring campaign impressively. That was her ninth start for her fourth win. She's been a very competitive mare in her lightly raced career because she's been a runner-up four times. And this is one thing, too, just about these 
late winter, early spring races, uh, watching the market, and particularly in the last 20 minutes or so, these horses that are resuming, that are coming back, you want to see what the market does with them. There was a great case in point. Zapatea, rock solid in the market. No drift, no move at all, and, and duly won. Yeah, Similar with Animo. Very dominant. I found the run of, uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, the Queenslander Boom Nova. It was, it was a weird old run. It looked like, um, you know, it stopped as though shot there at one, one point. You thought this horse was going to run last, but then came again and was sort of strong there and then I think was involved in a protest as well, mm. fifth against fourth, which was upheld after being chopped out. So, look... Uh, not a disgraceful run by any means. It was probably a pass mark in some ways. It was well back, though, $5, and, you know, was beaten three lengths. So what did you make of it? Yeah, well, I thought the, the, the run was good. It was it was going to be a step up from here to there, uh, 1,000 to 1,100. Don't have too much drama with that. As I said to, to Brad Davidson on, on air yesterday morning, the, the map, where would she end? Well, she ended up outside of the leader. But you make the good point that when they came into the early part of the straight, I thought, oh, she's going to drop out. Mm. But... She didn't. She, she boxed away well. She was tightened up for room. She, she got fourth on protest. But when you consider Zapatea was dominant, winning by almost three, but then the other four finished alongside of each other, her run was more than credible. So I know her connections. I know some of them very well. I'm sure they would have been delighted that she, she ran so well and earning a bit of extra prize money by getting into fourth spot. That's Zapatea. Here's another race I w- want to discuss and maybe somewhat not overlooked on the day, but maybe not given enough um, recognition. This is the Group 3 Show County, and Showmanship was the favourite, but he was one that did drift a little, 280 out to 330. So Band of Purim Prime Candidate have ensured a genuine gallop here in the Group 3 as they turn for home. Clear from Chat Electric Girl and Showmanship in fifth. Special reward making hard work of it. Up the rise now, Prime Candidate gets the upper hand from Band of Pur, three off to Chat. Showmanship five lengths away. McDonald's starting to get busy on the seven-year-old, and he's starting to let down now. It's Prime Candidate three lengths clear from Showmanship who's honing in. Prime Candidate a half in front. Showmanship levels up, went home best. Showmanship ran down Prime Candidate, rocketing by home into third, then Band of Pur, special reward. Further back to King of Sparta. He was a naughty boy today. Pulled his head off from Chat Sonnet Star and Electric Girl. Showmanship was the middle pin of J-Max riding treble. He's a, a very classy horse. Obviously has uh, had issues along the way. Only his 10th start was his 8th win. He's only been beaten twice in his career. And, of course, he's now a 7-year-old. So, whilst you might say um, um, his best days are behind him, that's not the case because... He's a gelding, and he's been well. He has been very lightly raced. It was a great return to the track yesterday. Yeah, race once in only two years. So I mean, there's not many horses that, um, you know, have that long a spell, I guess, or that long off the scene, and and can do that. So I know that um, Ray Thomas, our colleague in Sydney, talked to Bob Peters, uh, showmanship's owner, after the race, and he said even he was staggered with what he was able to do. So um, you think there's only upside there? Oh, for sure and certain. And and you mentioned the long break. He, he went through his grades in Belmont, never actually tackled any big-time races there, and then he went to, to, to Melbourne. He campaigned there in 2020, around this time, actually, August, September. He won both races, most impressively. Then we hadn't seen him until they produced him in the Wan Goobert, the, the Warnable Carnival first up, ran well there, put away again, and resuming yesterday. So just where they head with him, so many of these horses, the, 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 the paths they plot will be interesting to see, but... He certainly won well above average. We should have mentioned uh, with Bjorn about Prime Candidate, good old campaigner, ran well. And Bandaper, the Queenslander for Kelly Purdy and Mike Crooks, ran terrifically. 
He was second up after a long spell. He went really well on that first up race at Doomben when he carried the, the grandstand. And yesterday he was on speed and a bit like Boom Nova, I thought he might drop out, but he boxed on well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, only beaten just over two lengths at 20 to 1, so certainly gave a big sight. Showmanship was dominant in the end, but uh, gee whiz, I, with sort of 400, 500 to go, I thought, oh, this horse is in a bit of a tricky spot. But uh, James McDonald, as he does, uh, just threaded the right path at the right time. We go to Rosehill Gardens next Saturday, the last Saturday in August, for the San Domenico and the up-and-coming. They're the two feature races. Let's turn our attention now from Royal Randwick to Mooney Valley. The oomph sort of came out of this meeting when we had that heavy track rating. It resulted in a lot of scratchings, particularly in the feature races. We'll listen back to three of the best from there yesterday. We'll go to the listed car line. This was reduced to a field of six. The favourite in the end was Bella Nipotina, ousted extremely lucky for favouritism. So it's Maliva left alone by a neck now. Esther LaRocca getting a bit closer at the 450. Two further back, Mossman Gorge, who's ridden along from Bella Nipotina, who tracks up behind the leaders. Extremely lucky he's going to be the widest around the corner. And then came Rock and Horse, 250 out. Maliva held together from Esther LaRocca. Bella Nipotina, two lengths off those. Extremely lucky to the outside. Maliva at the 150 in front of Bella Nipotina. And extremely lucky is flashing down the outside. Maliva joined by Bella Nipotina. Bella Nipotina goes home better, well supported and won. Bella Nipotina from Maliva, extremely lucky, then Rock and Horse. There's no surprise with the market changes here. Bella Nipotina was 310 to 260 in the last 20 minutes and extremely lucky, 215 to 280. This was a track yesterday that uh, uh, clearly advantaged horses near the rail on the speed. We saw it race after race after race. So we came to this race. You know, Bella Nipotina is going to be running second at the, at the worst. Extremely lucky he's going to be running last. That's the reason they flip-flop in the betting, and Putter's got the result right. Yeah, absolutely, and I saw the camp after the race uh, already talking up the Manicato Stakes. Obviously, Bellinet Patina was um, runner-up behind Jonker there, uh, Tony Gorn's um, Queensland sprinter last year. So well, uh, she's nothing if not tough and versatile, I reckon, Bellinet Patina. She's been around a lot. Her, her strike rate will, will never be great. She took a long time to, uh, I think, win her second race. Uh, she's won four from, well, five from 30. So in the scheme of things, those figures don't look great. But I'm sure she's a lot different me now than what she was, say, a year ago. I remember they brought her up for the Healy at our carnival in 21. But, uh, yeah, they wanted, they wanted to be a group one mare. So the Manicato is the race they've set their sights on. Uh, Maliva was good. That's its go a 1,000 metres. Extremely lucky was good. Actually, quite good under the circumstances. It was very difficult to make ground. Mark Hunter said to us yesterday morning on radio, he said, the, the lanes, he said, go out bar, past five lanes. He said, it's a different track. And we saw that yesterday. It was just really hard to make ground. So I think yesterday, if you're doing the form or assessing the form, keep in mind that it was a track that played towards those in or near speed and near the fence. Yeah, and of course, this was one of four wins in a row, if you don't mind, mm. for Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace. Gee whiz, I reckon they've got a powerful and growing arsenal. I wonder perhaps if they could challenge Chris Waller for, you know, the, the mantle of Australia's premier trainer in the coming years. I'm not suggesting this season, but tell you what, they're building. Yeah, I was going to say Waller's got the weight of numbers, but then you start to look at uh, Maher well, Eustace. Well, they've uh, got numbers everywhere as well. They've, multiple know, training centres yeah. and, and a lot of horses, but... Not only did they have a great day at Mooney Valley, I think they won four there yesterday, but they won with Insula at Royal Ramwick as well, so it was, a, it was a big day for the team. Let's have a listen to a couple of other highlights from the Valley. We'll go to the Mackenzie, and here the favourite was Fajita Sand, but a, another that got back in the field. 
Coming up towards the corner of the race on now. 3.50 out. It's Charlemagne just in front of El Padrino. Then Fast Witness stoked up as they come around the corner for Gita San with a lot to do. Let's roll the dice under the whip. Charlemagne railed like a greyhound at the 150. A length El Padrino and Fast Witness the outside. But Charlemagne with 100 metres to go. El Padrino and Fast Witness coming out after it. Charlemagne trying to hold on. Fast Witness dives and it's a photo. Photo finish, fast witness, Charlemagne, a photo, El Padrino for third, then came a photo for fourth, Fujita San, and let's roll the dice, and then Chester Warrior. Fast witness was an $8 chance, Mara Eustace, Ethan Brown riding, and Pip Charlemagne right on the post, and again, here's another example of a track that was biased, Charlemagne, anyone in the world would tell you that it couldn't get 1,200 metres, yet it got 1,199 of it because it was in front on the fence, and... El Padrino in third, but not a lot to come out of that, I would suggest. Yeah, I think Fajita San just obviously missed a start, hated the wet track. Fast Witness was, the, I think, the $8 outsider of the mm. small field. So, uh, And I saw in dispatches down there, part owned by uh, Geelong great Billy Brownless. He could have a sensational next six weeks, not only perhaps with this horse, but also with Geelong. Very much favourites to win the AFL flag. Let's go to the Chandler McLeod and Mancayan. Again, Mara Eustace, the $1.95 favourite. So strap yourself in for a race, the final 500 metres, where the leader is Irish Flame, just in front of Mancayan. Then came on the outside Blue Cup, about a half length off the pace. A length away, Smoke and Romans, and the good fight still three off Irish Flame. Coming up towards the corner, 400 metres to go. They're about to step it up, where it's Irish Flame with a bit to offer, just in front of the favourite Mancayan. Then came Blue Cup, who's under the whip, and crabbed around the corner, followed by Smoke and Romans. 200 to go, it's Irish Irish Flame just in front with the odds on Jolly Mancayan trying to get it. Irish Flame just in front, but Mancayan's got it now. Smoke and Romans late. It's Mancayan 50 metres to go. Still a half Smoke and Romans and won it. Mancayan from Smoke and Romans, Irish Flame, the good fight and blue cup. This horse has only had 20 starts. That was his sixth win yesterday, but remarkably he's been a runner on nine occasions and placed third twice, so he never runs a bad race. We know he's in the previous campaign, he was 24, 2500 metre style horse, but I think the stable have said they've kept him a bit fresher this time in, keeping him to this, this distance range, and he's, he's, he's enjoying it. Yeah, gee whiz, it was a dawdle of a race, wasn't it? It was uh, a walkathon. You know your times, I don't, but I'm telling you, that was a very, very slow time, David Fowler. I think they've earmarked as well the naturalism, which gives you a golden ticket uh, into the Caulfield Cup. Is he a Caulfield Cup uh, horse? Not sure, but anyway, you can only win. Yeah. <laughs> As his record shows, he never runs a bad race. But uh, Smoke and Romans, the stablemate, ran really well too with Irish Flame, the leader, in third. It was a very ordinary day for punters early. Look at those results early. $19, 26 13 11 8 Then things started to turn around until Sam's Image won the last at $26. I'll have a bit to talk about that tomorrow morning on Black Booker's where I have to eat a lot of humble pie. <laughs> that was Mooney Valley yesterday. Let's take a break and move back to look at the meeting at Doombin. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Perfect track for racing at Dooman yesterday. By the way, thanks for your company here on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We had a good four at Dooman yesterday. The potential highlight of the day was the appearance again of Go Wanji as he went to open company for the first time. The market said 
It was past the post, excuse the pun. He was at $1.35. He got it as short as $1.22. He ran $1.35 at the off. Let's see how he went. They're fully homeward bound now with 3.50 left to run. Tumbler Ridge alongside Oakfield Twilight going better than it. Go Wanji a length behind Tumbler Ridge being revved up full time now by Cassidy and Tumbler Ridge is in full flight. Hello, hello. Tumbler Ridge is going to win the race. Go Wanji can't match him. Wham, darted up on the inside. But in the end, it was Tumbler Ridge who dictated outside the leader. Beat either Go Wanji or Wham bursting through late. What do we make of the favourite? Well, that's for another day, of course. Then came Oakfield, Twilight, Ligulate, Plenty, and Roller with the Flow last home in 1965. Well, I described it uh, in a post-broadcast uh, as an upset, not not the traditional upset, but an upset of sorts because the $1.35 favourite went down and Tumbler Ridge won. But let's face it, we know Tumbler Ridge is well above average. Let's talk more about it. Matt Hoisted's with us on the line. Matt, good morning. Morning. Did you go into the race yesterday thinking you were any hope of beating Gowanji? Uh, not really. Um, yeah, to be honest, obviously we had a sticky gate where we sort of went out with an open plan, but, you know, it's hard to be, be overly confident. Gowanji looks like, obviously, being a being a star uh, up here. And um, But, look, you know, obviously once once the race had sort of gone a furlong, we knew that we were going to be a good chance when we got across so cheaply and could see he was, he was posted and, um, you know, knew he'd give a really good kick. He's got a really good... Good record at the track. He loves Doombin, and, and once he sort of navigated that that early gate, that gate nice and early, um, you know, knew he'd give a give a really good kick. And um, you know, thankfully, the the run that the favourite had was was just a bit too taxing on him. What do you make of Tumbler Ridge in general, Matt? Because he's obviously got you know high ability at his best, hasn't he? But he just sometimes doesn't put it together. Or, or what, what, look, how do you sort of rate him as a horse? Yeah, he's definitely yeah, definitely above average. He's probably just that borderline sort of listed grade, but. You know, we've, he probably just struggles with consistency, I guess. Um, you know, he's he sort of had a good good record at Eagle Farm early on in his career, but then just of late he sort of struggled on that firmer surface. And, um, you know, a couple of times we're taking him down to the Gold Coast, he's run a bit average as well. But I think now that he's, he's getting a bit older, I think, you know, we can ride him a bit closer to the speed now. He, he was one that you'd sort of have him, have him too close. He wouldn't sort of finish off earlier in his career but now that he's a bit older i think that we can we can sort of keep him in his right sort of grade and probably this listed grade this time of year obviously he's going to be a lot easier than sort of during our carnivals when we've sort of tried, tried him at that that better grade um that he's going to be really well suited and hopefully we can just if prep can get his get his confidence right back up get a bit of get a bit more prize money for the owners and then maybe look to tackle some better races if he was to to continue to sort of you know be able to hold that more consistent level it was a strange race. We we all pride ourselves on doing our maps as well as we can, and I think most. And I'm not being I'm not throwing others under the bus here, but I think we all thought from Barrier Seven of Seven, Tumbler Ridge would ease back at the start. And you had horses like Wham, Oakfield, Twilight, Roller with the Flow. We expected them to go forward, but when the barriers open, maybe they didn't begin as well. But but Tumbler Ridge, he pinged out of the ghost, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. That's sort of we we had a good good chat, sort of pre-race me and Boris because he can he has done that before do you remember in the sort of recognition uh, when he ran second yeah when he ran second to uh, obviously Tambo's mate he he jumped and had himself you know box seated that day and um we actually gave him a little jump out on on Tuesday morning and and he began just as well as he did there yesterday he fling the you know flew the lids in a in a really hot hot heat 
Um, and just sort of left it up to Boris that had no issue. Obviously, there was those couple that thought would sort of leave, but didn't think they would, they'd really roll along at much of a clip anyway. So didn't really think just necking him and going back on a slow speed was probably the thing to do with him. And if he did jump begin well, that gave him that option to, if he thought it was the right thing to do, to come across and whether that was sort of outside leader in that second pair. But as you said, he, well, he jumped half a length in front of the field, sort of out of the gates and was really quick to muster. So... Um, you know, it was good to see him be able to do that and then come back, obviously, a bit on the fresh side, 13.50 off a fresh and, you know, was a bit worried he might over-travel, but he was sort of strong on the bridle but still manageable and, and able to still give that get good kick off the slow speed that they are able to dictate him. I want to talk about one of the more exciting horses in Australia and that's Uncommon James. Um, have you had, uh, I don't know what you can tell us here, but have you had many offers? Has Caitlin, your, your lovely wife, had many, many offers for this horse? And if so, would she ever consider selling, do you think, or would it have to be an absolutely monster offer to even consider it? Uh, we received an absolute monster offer uh, from him, um, from Hong Kong, but um, no, look, they, Kate and her, her family, her, her whole man had a good chat to Pete uh, sort of late late last week, and um, yeah, look, it was very much a substantial offer, um, crazy money, um, but look, they've been sort of breeding horses for quite a long time, and you know, he's by far their, their sort of best horse and, and um, you know, the joys that I guess you know, they sort of bring, they just want to in, enjoy that. And, they, you know, the whole family, there's a there's a lot of, you know, extended people that get a lot of joy out of this horse and, uh, you know, they're not, not wanting that ride to stop just yet. It looks like we're only really starting to, to get warmed up on this ride and, um, yeah, thankfully they, they've sort of stuck solid and, and sort of declined those offers to Hong Kong. So he'll be, yeah, continuing to, to race here in Australia, which is, is really good for us. Well, that's tremendous news from an Australian racing point of view. What about um, the coming uh, weekend in Melbourne? What have you – I know Steve's down there with the team, but what have you, what have you got there on Saturday? Yeah, so we'll have shooting for gold. We'll be running in the uh, running in the heat there, back to 1100. He obviously just raced a bit too keen, uh, fresh up there in the Orange Star and no cover and weren't sort of really able to see him his best. He didn't have that, that sort of explosive turn of foot we know that he sort of does have. So hopefully back around a bend at Caulfield, 1100, hopefully we can get a, get a nice tempo and, and, you know, we can see him sort of being able to sit off and play a stalking role that we, we sort of know that he can, can sort of do so well and hopefully we can, we can see him, you know, really sort of bounce back to his best. It's funny, isn't it, uh, watching the Ori star? It was only a small field, and as you said, he was exposed. There was no cover. It, it, it might be, might have been better if the field had been 15 or 16 and he'd just been smothered away. Yeah, without a doubt. It's just going to be a bit frustrating, that sort of straight racing at the moment. They, they kind of just really sort of just walk and, and sort of dash home. And, you know, full credit to the winner. He's just an absolute straight specialist, uh, serious suspect. So, um, yeah, look, obviously, his first time down the straight. He, um, you know, hopefully he can... He can sort of improve of it because there's an opportunity for him to potentially go to the Bobby Lewis on the back of this run uh, this coming Saturday. Mm. Um, but as I said, hopefully we can uh, have a bit of a bigger field and ensure a little bit more of a genuine tempo and that can, um, yeah, he'll be much better suited then. Just quickly on the other, Scalopini. Uh, yep, so he's just gone for a, for a week's freshen. Thought he was really good the other day. Uh, just obviously exposed three deep, uh, working the whole trip. You know, I thought he was still gallant in, in sort of being able to hold on to fifth. So he'll go... Uh, three weeks yesterday, uh, so four weeks between runs he'll be. There's a uh, listed 1,400-metre race called the Sopital at Flemington. So looking forward to getting into the big big open spaces at Flemington and, and sort of a step back in, in class should should really suit him. And she's got the boom. We discussed this last week. She was disappointing on face value. How has she been going through her paces during the week? 
Uh, yep, she's fine. Uh, she will find herself with a new stable now. Uh, she's been transferred to Peter Moody. Uh, yeah, we just weren't 100% happy with the way she'd been. Just mentally, she, she sort of hadn't really been coping since that run. And, um, yeah, we had just expressed an interest to, to possibly thinking best thing for her would maybe to be sending her home and, and giving her a break. But, um, yeah, look, the ownership group did, weren't really too keen on doing that and wanted, wanted to try something different with her, which is fine. That's obviously their, their choice. So she's been transferred to Peter Moody now and will continue her Victorian campaign uh, under his care. We wish them well, and uh, certainly you did a fantastic job with She's Got the Boom during her two-year-old career. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. No worries. There is Matt Hoisted joining us this morning, talking about it, the team of horses, but Tumbler Ridge coming up trumps now. You were telling me that Go Wanji was going to win the Stradbroke Handicap or was a chance of winning the Stradbroke Handicap. Have you reassessed your thoughts? No. Well, you just come to the end of it. Simple as that. Like, was three wide. I mean, probably you should have still won. Uh, if he was at his best. Tell me what Larry Cassidy said. So Larry Cassidy said, look, I haven't lost any faith in this horse. Uh, He was changing legs all the way up uh, the straight. He said, look, it would have been suicide to go back to last, which I agree with. He had to sit three wide, which obviously wasn't ideal. Slowly run race. But he said, look, if this horse was at his best, he just would have still won. Tom Dougal said something pretty similar, and he said, look, this this horse is just going for a spell. So uh, he has been up a while, let's face it. So, look... um, it's, it's been... Yeah, I mean, clearly, if you backed him, I mean, I never back a horse at dollar thirty-five, let alone dollar twenty-two that he that he got into. But I mean, clearly, if you you back a horse at that price and, and he hasn't won, you're desperately disappointed. You're probably half potting the horse. But I it, think that's a bit harsh. It's been a messy campaign this year for a number of reasons. That day he was scratched at the barrier, so I don't think it's been the path that the Tom and his dad necessarily wanted to go down. And yesterday certainly wasn't him at his best, uh, but this, it can often happen some, sometimes. Uh, short price favourites in small fields with no tempo and they get exposed like that. In saying that, the fact that the, the tempo wasn't fast and he was 3-1, that should have actually helped him, not, not hindered him because uh, he wasn't using a lot of energy even though he was exposed out there. And, and in the end... Tumbleridge didn't beat him by a neck. No. Uh, it was well, he was lucky to run second, really, in the end. Well, Wham would have beat him another stride after yeah. the line, more than likely. So I, I think, you know, the, I'm not saying the jury's out far from it. What I'm saying, I'm, I'm tending, to, tending to agree with you that uh, it wasn't the go ones you we knew yesterday and maybe it breaks the best thing. Well, and there were punters, even though he was short prepared to take him on. Dollar twenty-two to dollar thirty-five is not an insignificant drift, is it? So anyway. No, yeah. it was it was really late the piece and they, they did speak a few others, including Tumbler Ridge. Let's go to the eighth race of the day. This was the class six. This was a very good betting race. Rabamos was the two sixty favourite, but they backed a few to beat it, including Sir Rocket. Heading for home now, 300 left to Rada. General Dubai was headed off by Sir Rocket on the outside. He dashed to a clear lead. Rabamos is immediately under pressure and now safe work. Despite a wide run joining in, Sir Rocket though, he's in for the challenge. He's got a length on safe work, giving up now. It's Sir Rocket in front, safe work, can't get it. And Sir Rocket beat home safe work. Renouf ran third, Caffrey ran fourth, then Fleet Dove or some lad. Rabamos had its chance, then Getcha Gray on General Dubai. And well back in the field was Tessark. Towards the end in 118.89. Good gallop. Sir Rocket was authoritative here, really stretched away from them. This was uh, Tegan Harrison's day yesterday, no doubt at all. Three winners and nearly won the last, was beaten a very narrow margin. But uh, she did brilliantly and she's joining us this morning. Tegan, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning, guys? Well, well I, I imagine you are too. That was like the old days yesterday for you. 
Yeah, it was. It was a little blast from the past. I looked up how long since I'd ridden a city treble. I knew I'd ridden them before, but I thought, geez, it'd be a while. I've been out injured for most of the last few years. And, and let's just talk about this first because it, it is worth bringing up. I know Ben wrote this morning that there's been, is that right, three separate times off, three three times you were injured. Just take us through it. I know it's probably pretty painful to think about it again, but just for our listeners, what have you gone through over the last couple of years? Um, it's probably for me, it's been a bit of a run of probably the last six or seven years. I uh, I broke a collarbone, was a year out with that, and then I come back and I was sort of not long back and I had a pretty ordinary fall at Doombin and I broke just about everything. Mm. Um, I had a, a my collarbone again and ribs, broke my back and my sternum. Um, I think that was all. There was like quite a few breaks that time and so that was a fair while on the sidelines again and I just started getting back into it and, and then I broke my leg and, and that was probably uh, the longest time I had to have off. I had 12 months off with that one uh, because I had a implication with my surgery where they snapped a drill bit off in my leg during the surgery. So that one was a bit tricky to get through and uh, got got through that and then back in the saddle and just been like working hard at it. And, and um, yeah, it was a really rewarding feeling for me yesterday. Was there ever a point, Tegan, where you just sort of thought, you know, this is this is getting a bit hard, these injuries, this time out, maybe it's time for me to look to do something else? Or we always set on, on you know, at each stage, we always set on, on coming back and, and, you know, riding the way we know you can? No, I always set on coming back. And I think there's always that um, thing. I mean, you, you know straight away, um, for me, every time I know I want to come back and, and I feel like I've got more to give, it's just... Every time it probably is harder and it's hard to get that support and I'm grateful that I'm, I'm getting a bit again now. Um, but, yeah, obviously you need the support to be able to get the job done and, and I think coming back from injury, that's that's the hardest part and, and um, it's it's probably too the uncertainty what you're saying of people not knowing how bad you really still want it and, and I, I definitely want it really bad still to have gone through what I've been through and, and still be wanting it so much. Like, yeah, it's good. I heard you um, just before you rushed off to Toowoomba actually to ride last night telling Nathan X will be on track that just in recent weeks and months it had been more of a mental battle for you than, than anything else. And I think you, you mentioned, made mention of going to going to see someone in that respect. If it's not too personal, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, yeah, probably just um, your, your normal underdog um, sport. You know, when you're at the races, if you're probably not going so well, you can become a victim of... Um, just competitiveness from other jockeys and whatnot and I was having a bit of a hard time with that and um, I went and seen someone through the week and they really gave me some tactical ways to deal with it and and I, I think it's working and and I'll definitely be keeping that up. I've, I've, also, I've seen people in the past but I think for where I was at at the time it was something I really need to do and probably want to give a little shout out to Claire Lindop as well. I randomly was speaking to her on Friday and she had some really cool ideas for mindset and and um, obviously she was a champion in her own right. So uh, I feel that she um, was a big part in, in lifting my mood and confidence heading into Saturday there. You, you make a good point, Tegan, that this is a profession. Uh, it's your job. It's what you get paid for. That every time you, you do your job, you're competing, not against one person, but against sometimes 16 other other people. And they talk about football teams. Well, a team is a team, but you're a solo agent. You've got to every time you go out, you've got to look after yourself. So, 
there is a lot of mental pressure involved, and sometimes it's good, of course. Like yesterday, you would have been flying high, but sometimes it can be pretty ordinary. That's right. It's um, it's definitely a sport of highs and lows, and I think a lot of people forget that. I did read a story on Glenn Boss there not long ago as well, and um, where he admitted that he'd had the black dog before, and I think that's um, something that needs to be put out there a bit more, is it's something that nearly every sports person, not just jockeys, will go through from time to time if you're not competing at, at, at your highest of standard that you want to be at, and I, I feel like it's um, something that should always be addressed, and and it's a you know help us keep our chin up through those times so that you can enjoy them better days. Now I could be completely wrong here, Tegan. You've obviously won a lot bigger races, but I'm going to suggest to you that you'll win on Swanson yesterday, uh, given all the circumstances involved. Losing the race on protest a couple of starts earlier, the fact it's trained by Greg Kilner and, and Leah Kilner. Obviously, we all know her story. Was that one of the yeah your, your most special wins of your career, almost? Oh, absolutely. That one was very special. Um, we we um, are very happy that Leah comes through that fall and she's still with us. And, and even though she's um, fighting, obviously, her own injuries at the moment and she's got a bit of, bit of rehab to go there yet. But um, to get on that horse and ride it for her when I first went on it and then got it taken off me was absolutely heartbreaking because it was a, a time when it could have really lifted the spirits of that family. And it's just so nice to, to win again yesterday and, like, you know, by a better margin and, and all fair and square. So... Uh, to do that was very special to me and it, it, it um, certainly lifted Leah's spirits and, and that's what we're out there to do. So it, it was a very rewarding win. Tegan, after the I called the race, I describe it as probably the career best for Swanson because you carried the big weight, 59, ran out the mile strongly. But it's probably fair to say Swanston has been generally considered a wet tracker. In fact, I think all of its wins have been on either soft or heavy, but yesterday on the good and, and beat them easily. Yeah, he did. And I, I think actually um, I want to mention Leah here because uh, uh, Greg and I had gone through the race and whether to run and not to run and and um, we decided that the depth of it for him, we, we think he's a good horse and, and um, you know, he's got that weight for a reason in that race. He had one at Doom and the prep before that and uh, Leah reminded me that he has led and won over a mile before and I think because it was so long ago it gets missed a little bit, you know, and I think just at this, uh, where he was at, he re- really was looking for that yesterday and, and that's why he was so dominant because he was able to get up on the speed again and, and I think um, probably being a bit older now, he might be looking for a mile and who knows, he might even get to 1,800 or something like that. No, he was he was very, very dominant yesterday. Just before you go, I've been around a long time. I don't know these people who trained Mr Vine M, but you certainly do because since uh, this mare was transferred north, you've been on her every start and... She's a little beauty, isn't she? Puts herself into the race and, and, is, and is strong at the end. Absolutely. She is a little ripper. And um, Dallas and Adam, they do a great job. I was lucky enough to ride their first runner. And, and in Zoo York, they'd got this horse off, off Mick Price and it had a terrible reputation in Melbourne. And, and they really um, honed his wildness and I was able to win on him for them. And that, to me, showed early on that they're going to be a great training combination. And... And I did say to Dallas and Adam about this horse when they first got her, I said, oh, you're going to have some fun here because she's just normal, you know. There's no naughty behaviour traits that they've got to iron out. And and um, she's certainly done that for them already uh, with getting their first Metro winner. And they're, they're definitely um, two to be looking out for in the future. Where do they, where, where do they come from? 
Um, I think they've got a mixed background. You're probably best to do an interview with them. Everyone's dying to know their story, so it'd be really nice to hear them them on the radio and get their, their full story of how yeah. they come together doing this. We'll do that. And one thing about this mayor as well, it's sort of half similar to Swanston, uh, she's been best known here as a, as a wet track, a very effective on rain-affected tracks. That was her first win on a good surface yesterday. Yeah, and if anything, that was probably a doubt with her. We were pretty confident that she'd run well yesterday. Um, the only thing that was sort of playing on our minds was that it was a good surface. But if anything, I feel like she let down uh, better yesterday on that good surface than what she'd done on on the softer tracks when I've ridden her. But, it, you know, I'd probably say too, like Doombin's holding up really nicely and although it's a good track, it's always got nice grass on it and, you know, it's not too firm for horses there when they're racing on a good surface. So that's probably what helped as well. It's it's a very forgiving track, a perfect service. As we said, you nearly won four. You you were home in the last one. Bonaparte just came alongside of you and pipped you on the post. Yeah, that's right. My old mate Bundy and Coke, I thought he was going to be able to get that fourth win for me. He always runs super. And uh, unfortunately, he's just got that real nasty little habit where he tries to nip the other horses at the moment and he's got the blinkers and crossover and on to try and stop him doing that. But I did honestly feel when that horse come alongside him late that I could feel him pulling his head back up towards me instead of stretching it down. And although he didn't try to bite it or anything like that, he certainly was thinking about it instead of thinking about his job and just putting his head down and stretching out to win. But um, there'll be plenty of fun to have still there with Bundy and Coke and Al's doing a great job with him. So... Yeah, I look forward to him next time. Hopefully we can get away from him a bit more so he's not thinking about <laughs> exactly. eating him. <laughs> Wonderful day for you yesterday. Thanks for being with us this morning. No worries. Thanks, guys. Tegan Harrison joining us here on Past the Post with a riding treble and nearly four. Yeah, it was really was turning back time, wasn't it? And look, I don't know Tegan all that well, but one thing I will say about her, through the good, the bad, the outstanding, the indifferent, she's always turned up for the races with a smile on her face, always been pleasant and polite and well-mannered, always said hello. That might not sound sound like much, but it counts for a, a bit for me. In my 100%. Book. Took the words out of my mouth. She's always got a wonderful smile, and that counts for a lot. We've run out of time. Uh, I'll be talking to you tomorrow. We've got a bit to talk about. Yeah, someone told me you're going to stitch me up tomorrow. Is that right? I certainly am. Nice and early, too, so make sure you've got the uh, radio on at 8 8.30, take the scratchings down. It sounds like you've been preparing for this for days. Meanwhile, I'll be looking after my little son at home and you'll just go into attack mode and I won't know what's hit me. But never mind. I've been in the occasional stouse, Dave. I'm sure I'll handle you. Oh, exactly. We'll see. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Ben Norris joining us this morning here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company as well. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Have a good day. Bye-bye.